The Resilient Disciples podcast is powered by Awana. Now more than ever, we are committed to raising up the greatest generation of disciples that this world has ever seen. Invest in the future of the faith at awana.org slash more than ever. Here we go. This is the Resilient Disciples Podcast. I'm Ross Cochran, and I'm glad you're here. This is a bonus episode as we recognize Veterans Day. Veterans Day honors all of those who have served our country in war or peace. And Awana is very proud of its connection to the armed services. The resilience that comes from military service is certainly unique, but I was surprised by the parallels these veterans identified between their work in the military and the work of Resilient Child Discipleship. Today, we're gonna talk about that. And I'm gonna introduce you to several folks as we bounce around between our conversations. It was a privilege for me to get to know these men and women, and I hope that today, you are able to connect with the veteran in your life. Thank you to every person and family who has served our country. And thank you for listening. This is the Resilient Disciples Podcast. Hi, my name is Eddie Hester, and I retired from the Army, Army National Guard as a major many years ago. <laughs> Perfect. How did your service shape resilience in your life? You served, uh, as you just said, many years ago. You retired many years ago. But how are you still seeing the fruits of that resilience that was formed while you were serving our country? A couple of ways. Um, from the minute you start basic training or boot, whichever service you're in, you begin to learn discipline. You begin to learn uh, the importance of knowing your job well. And in doing that, when you're a professional and you go through the years, you continue that train of thought where you're trying to do everything to the best of your ability, because that not only helps you survive, it helps your friends survive, your brothers and your sisters, and it also helps the mission that's going on. From that, uh, I was a Christian when I went in the service. I had already memorized a lot of scripture from a different program than Awana, which wasn't here in California then, when I was uh, years old. And... uh, (laughs) So that also is the second part of what I was saying, that that created a resiliency. I found myself when I was flying into uh, hot landing zones or picking troops up that I would be quoting scripture in my head, even though I was on the radios and coordinating and everything, the scripture would be going over and over in my head. And, um, that resiliency just enforced how important putting God's word in your heart and memorizing it was so that it's there for you when you need it. I didn't have time to open up a Bible when you're flying an aircraft. I flew helicopters during Vietnam. And so having it memorized, it's just like kids on Friday night when their buddies say, let's go do something that isn't right. If they know the scripture, they're going to know it's not right. They're going to walk away from the scoffers and away from the troublemakers, like it says in Psalms. 
So that resiliency that you learn from the Bible, the resiliency you learn in military training helps create a lifetime of knowing the Lord and trying to live a life that's pleasing to him with a strong faith. Amen. I love that. And I love that you, uh, I love being able to like make that clear to the folks who listen to this podcast, that the people who invested in you in that program, that that was paying off while you were in some of the most extreme um, experiences than any person can experience on earth. Right. Yeah. And I think it's really important for leaders to know the, the Kesters close to my last name, Hester, but it started with a K put a lot of time in with us kids at that church back in Englewood, California, and helped us memorize those verses. And it was because those leaders, just like a one of leaders today are doing this with kids. It seems like they're not learning. This is waste of my time, but it's not. Yeah, They are learning, they're listening, and they know so much more uh, than you think they do. And when time comes, they need that. It's going to be there. Don't give up. Leaders need to continue to be resilient just as we train the kids to be resilient. Amen. And let me ask you this. So when we, I think what happens for a lot of you know, I, I never served. My father never served. My uh, grandfather served in Korea. Um, and my father always made plain as a guy who he was in radio as well. So as a guy whose main gifting was just being able to talk, uh, that our job is to be able to elevate uh, conversations like this with those who served and those who fought. Uh, because, you know, you don't want me serving anything other than some macaroni in a, in a food in a food line. So, um but you are someone who is now taking what you've learned, taking what your life experience has been and pouring it back into a generation of kids and a generation of kids who are experiencing a lot of moving around. You know, military families are such a unique set of circumstances because they are a mission oriented family. How have you, how have you seen the resilience that was, that was, you know, given to you through your experience in the military? being playing out in the lives of kids today? What, what is the sort of generational difference that you're seeing uh, right now compared to when you were coming up? Um, that's really a good question. The thing I see with, with families today, first off, let me say that, you know, sometimes I hear leaders go, oh, we got to recruit new leaders and, you know, we need five more for here or two or three for there. And when I mentioned to him that every military club on base, as well as off base, every two to four years has 100% turnover in the kids and the leadership. Wow. And yet the programs continue. The kids continue to want to attend the program and the parents see Awana as something that the kids did in the States, at this base, at that church, and when they move overseas, if Awana is there, it's a connection for the kids that helps them stay resilient to continue to not cause trouble, to be part of the family, and to walk with the Lord, and to grow. And, and I actually see military kids, many times those who stay with it through the years, be stronger 
in their faith because of what they've gone through, dad or mom or both of them being in the military. And it creates a resiliency and a strongness. And, uh, you know, it's interesting what you said about family serving. A lot of these kids served because dad served, because grandpa served, and it kind of runs in the family. But whether it does or it doesn't isn't important. What's important is being in the Lord's army and serving Amen. him wherever we are, whenever he calls on us. And it doesn't, I don't see the word retirement in the Bible other than priest. And that's only, they can still help. So as long as that is there, I teach everyone that, hey, God doesn't ask you to save people. He asks you to be a witness. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how old you are. doesn't matter what happened in your life. Being a witness for the Lord is the most important thing you can do to share the gospel. That is, that's a beautiful uh, thing to say, Eddie, because I feel like there's this sort of misconception that, um, you know, you to be a leader in this community, uh, serving kids, you have to be really outgoing. You have to be really energetic. You got to be 24 years old so that you can still jump on stuff. Right. And I love that you being able to say like your assignment, the, the makeup of your assignment might change, but you're not, you're still engaged in this. You're still part of God's army. We talk a lot about how the church of 2050 is a church that is going to be increasingly having to be on guard as the world becomes increasingly hostile to the gospel. And I would imagine you, when you were coming up and there were probably even more believers or more folks who were outward with their faith in the military ranks. And they may or may not be true these days. I don't know. Maybe that's a bad assumption on my part, but how do we as leaders pour into these kids knowing that what they're going to face is going to be probably more dramatic than what we ourselves faced? We give such an emphasis to serving our country. And while that is for a service member, regardless of the branch, regardless of what your job is, is extremely important. And we're told to obey those put above us in authority over us. That's important. Our citizenship as Americans or whatever country is only temporary. Our real citizenship is in heaven. And we need to get our kids to think like that because then they're serving the Lord's army, like I mentioned previously, and that's going to help them if they can put it in perspective that they're citizens of heaven first, and yet they're obeying what the Lord said. They're obeying the authorities put over them. They're serving where they're told to serve. They're doing their job. And a lot of that's done because you're really supporting your brothers and your sisters, the ones right there that serve with you. And yet that's all for the greater good the overall mission. So I think that's one of the key things is helping kids know that they are going to suffer. They are going to have persecution. It's part of the Christian life, not because God wants us to suffer. He just knows that we are going to suffer. We are going to be uh, made fun of. We're going to be ridiculed. We're going to have a lot of discrimination against us. Hey, been through it. 
you know, been there, done that. It makes you stronger. And every time God puts you in a valley or you're in a valley, when you get back up on those ridges, you're stronger because you worked through it and you worked back up. Amen. And I think it's important too, you know, when, if we pay attention to our first citizenship being in heaven, it also breaks down walls between those who served and those who didn't serve those who have maybe been, you know, in a base for longer and those who are the new kids on the base, right? It, we have that commonality. And especially during a time like this, where everything feels so turbulent, where people really need us to be of recon, uh, be of reconciliation and be peacemakers. Like I love the idea of the reconciliation this world needs to be able to come out of the children's wing of churches or military bases or just anywhere that we're gathering kids and pouring into them and sharing, uh, sharing the gospel. Yeah. You know, the, the different branches of service have a lot of fun making fun of each other, but when it comes down to it, any service member is going to protect another service member, regardless of what branch or service they're in. And they're going to defend one another, and they're all part of one military service. Amen. And it needs to be the same way in Christianity. If we're of one kingdom, regardless of what denomination, regardless of what church, you know, you got the little C church, which is the one you go to on Sunday, but you got the big C church, which is Christ's church. And we all have to stay in that church, in that army and back each other up and support and pray for one another. Hey, my name is Gino Hunt. Um, I'm retired from the military. I've got 24 um, active duty years behind me, four of those being in the U.S. Navy and 20 of those being in the United States Coast Guard. I want to start by just asking, you know, I think it's a little bit probably redundant to tie resilience to military service. You know, I think if you serve in the military and you as from day one, you are on a path towards uh, resilience that is different than those right. of us who didn't. Uh, but if you wouldn't mind, let's start. How would you begin to sort of put words to how your military service shaped resilience in your life? Um, yeah, you know what? I've, uh, I've given a lot of thought to that, how I would answer that question. And uh, really, as I, as I look back, as I contrast then to now, um, the, what the military did is they, they, they constrain you with time. And in other words, you have a contract. And so you're, where, where are you going to go but here? And what are you going to do but what I tell you to do? And it was in the military that I learned um, <clears throat> is how I was, I finally encountered something that was bigger than me. In, in the past, before the military, you know what, if I didn't like it, I'd go away um, or I'd change it. But I was in charge. And in the military, because I'm constrained by time and, and contractual authority, is that um, I encountered that that was much bigger than me and that it was a successful system. And all the way, um, you know, at times didn't like it, especially initially, uh, I was I was bound to follow. I was bound to learn, and I was bound to see that there was um, there was at that time, and I'll, the military was bigger than me. Mm. It was more successful than me, and it didn't take me long to learn that if I obey the rules, 
that, um, hey, I don't get in trouble and I can actually do well. Yeah. If I don't uh, disobey the rules and the authority, well, things will go poorly for me and it's a terrible day. <laughs> so it, it, was a, it was a pretty neat thing how it, it, the military system itself um, reshaped me and, and uh, brought a form of humility into my life, uh, into that, so that I could, I could work long hours, I could do unsavory uh, jobs, um, I could be around people that weren't necessarily, um, you know, it was like petting a porcupine at times. <laughs> you you got to be careful which way you stroke it, so... Yeah. Yeah. So that's how that's how initially that's how the military, that's how the Lord used the military to begin to break me down into something that that was workable. That's beautiful. By clinging even more to God's word, by clinging even more to the steadfastness of who Jesus oh, is, you are that absolutely. that light combats the ever present or the ever increasing levels of darkness that are going to be existing in the culture right now. So correct. So, so correct. And, and as a, you know, as a lifetime <clears throat> sailor at sea, you know, um, man, when the, the, the ship on the calm sea is the same ship that's in the heavy seas, you know, and in the heavy seas, you, you, it, that's the one that's going to save you. Yeah. If, if you take care of it, if you don't take care of it, um, <clears throat> man, when the heavy seas come, things are going to fly off the wall. Um, things going to break uh, and, and things like that. That that's our life. The, the Bible is the thing that keeps us tightened down, ready for sea. Yeah, you know, ready ready for the storm that's coming, or yeah, that absolutely. you're in. You know, absolutely. and it's a really fun time for me personally right now because I've got some friends that um, that have tested positive for COVID. They're young people, of course, because that's who I deal with. And, and for them, this is the biggest thing that's ever hit them. I mean, because they, they've lived a short life, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and aside from finals in college, this is the biggest thing ever. And, and so for me, it's, it's, it's fun to be able to encourage them, sure. you know, to be able to encourage them with, with, with the word of the Lord and, and, and take examples and show them how, you know, um, you know, you'll, you, he's never going to leave you to forsake you. He has been tempted, you know, um, he can't lose you. Um, yeah. you, you are sealed with a promise of an inheritance, you know, to be able to encourage them through, through these times with those, the, the word of God hasn't changed. This pandemic is new to us. Yeah. But, but the answers to get through it are still in the scripture. Absolutely. Well, and you, as someone who has served, COVID is not the biggest thing you've faced. Conversations around resilient child discipleship, especially, that we can elevate voices like yours who have gone before us, right? And who know not only that, you know, the word is ever changing, but that that is something that you had to cling to because of your life circumstances. You had to yeah. know that Christ was, was there for you because you've experienced things far more dramatic than the things that I've experienced. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. I want to tell you about one of my favorite organizations that cares about kids. For nearly 50 years, MOPS, that's Mothers of Preschoolers, has gathered and supported moms. My wife has been involved in MOPS, and they believe in the simple but radical idea that remarkable things happen when moms come together. 
Mops has practical tools and resources to help all moms, not just moms of little kids, with all of their needs. Mops partners with churches and organizations from around the globe to equip and encourage moms in more than 68 countries. This global pandemic has created an opportunity to gather moms everywhere, and that's why Mops has started Mama Meetups. Mama Meetups are online communities of 8 to 12 moms who gather twice a month to share their lives and parenting journeys. You can find groups for moms of kids with special needs, working moms, blended families, teachers, first-time moms, and so much more. Mama Meetups are the place to be, and Mops is excited to help moms connect all over the world in this new way. You can join a Mama Meetup, and you can reclaim your joy, strength, and courage like never before. Mops is calling it a comeback, and you can visit mops.org to learn more. Hi, I'm Julie Tolberg. I am recently retired from the Army after spending 24 years as a pediatrician and have traveled all over the world um, in my service to the Army, and many of those duty stations have been involved with Awana Ministry um, in our home churches. If you weren't resilient, you would not be able to make it in the military, I don't think. Um, it's one of those kind of key tenets. And and I think military families themselves have to be resilient because they are part of that moving around and um, having to get involved with new schools and new churches and new youth groups. And um, and it does, it, it builds resiliency. And the more that you practice resiliency and the more um, situations that you get placed in, I think you become more and more resilient. And so, after 24 years of being in the Army, um, I feel like um, that's something that me and my family know well is is how to be resilient. Um, yeah. And it's interesting to me, the moment that I'm catching you in, in this conversation of you being recently retired, I would imagine that gives some level of opportunity for reflection. When you uh, first joined the service, did you anticipate being serving for 24 years? No, no, it's not at all. And, okay. and actually I have reflected quite a bit on that in the last couple of months because I was finished working in the army about in July and I've been looking for a new civilian position um, for a couple of months. And it's made me have to pull out some of those resiliency skills um, <laughs> because it's, it's new. It's something that I, I don't know much about the civilian medical community and um, it's been kind of a scary transition um, hmm. for me. And so while I made a lot of changes in the military and moving from you know place to place to place, it was all within the same culture that I was familiar with. Um, hmm. And so the changes were not maybe as big um, as going from a military setting to a civilian setting. Um, so very much I've had to um, pull out some of those resiliency skills. To answer your question about was this ever my plan, the answer is no. <laughs> I joined the military so that I didn't go in debt. Um, huh, I was on sure. a military scholarship um, for medical school, and the Army paid for my um, medical school. And my intention was to do my time and get out um, right. as soon as my obligation was done. And there came a time probably about 10 years into my service that I decided, you know what, this is this is a really good choice for me and my family. And I think I want to, I want to do this for the long haul. And so just 
made that kind of conscious decision. Nope, we're going to do this until I can retire. And so that's how I ended up with 24 years in. That's so cool. I think it's so helpful. The opportunity for you to not only make that level of investment initially, right? Which is more than 99% of people do, right? But then to make the decision that it, it is the right decision for you to keep moving forward with this, I think is really kind of countercultural. Um, and I'm sure it was very valuable to your family. I might have a flawed understanding here. So I apologize if I apologize if I do, but by being a pediatrician within the army, are you caring for families on bases and moving through base to base as that goes? Is that kind of, was that kind of the scope of your work or what was? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I would say that that generally covers it. So we take care of kids of active duty and retired um, soldiers, sailors, and airmen. Um, so gotcha. some places it was mainly just soldiers. In a lot of the other places, it was either um, tri-service or bi-service. Um, and it was taking care of the kids of those um, soldiers, sailors, and airmen. That's a really important work. And I don't, you, I'm the last person that needs to tell you that, Julie, but that's so interesting because well, while I can intellectually understand that that would be a thing, I never would have considered it. And I'm sure there were moments where you had to show up for a family with things that, you know, my pediatrician shows up for, for my kids. Right. Uh, but in that military environment, I would imagine you being there and like just being a loving, caring adult for them in that moment, I'm sure made a huge impact in their life. Yeah. in military kids have different struggles and different um, things that they have to overcome than I think an average civilian kid does not more so or not, but just different kind of things, right. especially you know if their mom or dad has, are deployed um, and they're worried about you know their their parent that is out of the picture for a while. You think about those moms usually um, sometimes are the dads who are there taking care of the kids by themselves and um, being kind of put in a single parent situation um, geographically, um, and so there's just different struggles that military kids have, and it's nice to have looped that myself and to be intimately familiar with it so that I have, um, more empathy for them. Yeah. Do you see, uh, you know, parallels between that kind of work and the work you do within a ministry context and like being there for kids in a spiritual way, you know, whether it's within your own family or potentially kids that you were interacting with through an Awana program? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, I think the success of a kid is, based on them having loving people, adults around them that are willing to speak into their lives and willing to help them through whatever difficulties they have. Um, and whether that is a military kid that is, you know, struggling because their dad is deployed, or that's a kid, you know, that's coming to Awana and maybe is coming from a family that is um, going some, through some struggles um, themselves. And just being that person who shows up every week and is that constant loving person in their lives. I think that that helps those kids um, build resiliency skills and have a much higher rate of being successful in life and, you know, maintaining their faith. Absolutely. That's a great, that's great. I already know what my promotional uh, clip for this episode is going to be. That's beautiful. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. I think it's something that people um, again, intellectually probably know, but it's harder for folks to see the value in it. And right. 
you, you know, being a, a doctor, a, a mom, a ministry leader, like all of the different titles that I could uh, ascribe to you, uh, the fact that you're able to uh, add a level of credibility to that, that is much more than a, just a guy talking into a microphone, uh, really speaks to what I hope people hear from that of that this work matters. Being there for a child matters uh, in the short term, the long term, and, any, and everything in between. You know, and, and you mentioned that drawing the same picture for the 14th time, that, that makes me just think another parallel between, you know, military and um, kids' ministry um, is that sometimes we get bogged down in the minutia of it. You know, it's like, oh, every week we have to go and do this kind of thing. And sometimes it gets tedious. And, you know, being in the military, sometimes it's tedious. You have to get up and you have to work out and you have to do your physical fitness tests and, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. And it's hard sometimes to pull yourself up out of the mire and out of the minutia of that and see what your bigger purpose is, you know. And so your purpose in the military is protecting the country mm. um, and protecting the people that are taking care of the people that are protecting the country. And in children's ministry, it's giving them um, that bigger vision of what Jesus or who Jesus is and what Jesus has planned for their lives. So um, that's another that. similarity. Yeah, I love that. And I love being able to uh, remind folks about like why they are doing, why they're engaged and what they're engaged in, right? You don't, mm -hmm. you don't sign up for Kidman so you can uh, just hold cute babies, right? As much as people love to use that for volunteering recruitment, right? Yeah. You know, you sign up because it, at, at its core, you believe that this work matters. Like you alluded to, the military, this, this resilient is almost, is almost runs the risk of being a redundant term in terms of service to your country. But what I see is folks who are involved, folks who have served um, have a greater sense of being a part of something that is bigger than themselves. And we touched on this a little bit, but I see in the Kidman community, folks who I think the way you put it was so brilliant of get kind of wrapped up in the minutia rather than reminding themselves of the bigger picture. And I'm curious, you know, folks who are listening to this, especially when so much of the sort of child discipleship work has had to happen over Zoom, might feel like they're really wrapped up in the minutia. Mm -hmm. And how do you, assuming this also happens to you at some point, how do you sort of remind yourself of what it is that you're doing, of why you're engaged in this work, of why uh, this matters when it can sometimes feel like, oh, I'm just sitting here doing the same thing time after time after time. Yeah. Um, right now, the church that we attend, they have, they're not doing Awana right now, but, you know, up until COVID, um, they had a very robust Awana program in very, very large numbers. Um, and they have a program called Mark 9 Ministry. Okay. Um, and it's a ministry for special needs kids. Um, and they marry them up with a buddy. So um, these special needs kids can participate with other able-bodied kids um, in Awana or in Sunday school or in children's church or whatever um, it is. And so that's actually what I have been doing for the last two years, I guess, is I'm a one-on-one -on -one buddy um, with a Mark 9 kid. Um, so a kid that has some special needs. And sometimes those kids are kind of hard to love um, and they're kind of hard especially week after week. Um, they're just, they're tough sometimes. Sure. Um, and my prayer has always been, you know, as I'm driving to Awana, God, 
please help me just love this kid today. Mm. Um, and to show your love through me instead of getting irritated or frustrated with some of the behaviors that they have. Um, and I think that that refocuses my brain that I am here to show love to this kid. I am not here for him to learn his verse, even though that's important, but he's just not capable of doing that. Um, but my job is to show the love of Jesus. Um, and so that's how I that's how I have kind of redirected my brain is just praying, Lord, just help me love this kid tonight. Amen. That's so beautiful. And I would hope, you know, there's such power in it, one acknowledging that, right? Because I, <laughs> I, I would imagine that there's some folks who might feel like they can't say who this kid is hard to love sometimes. Right. But also to then say that is what our ultimate job is right. God's going to do the rest. God is going to actually reach them with his love, but our job is to love them and to reflect that. And it sounds like you do such a great job for uh, this kid specifically, but for all the, all the kids that you're interacting with. Um, and I would hope that folks who might feel like they aren't enough, that we can help them remember that. Uh, yeah, we aren't enough. And that's the point, but by loving them, God, who is always enough, is going to do ultimately do the work of uh, reaching them with the hope of the gospel. Captain uh, Aaron Falk uh, with the United States Marine Corps. How do you feel like the military is shaping uh, your service in the Marine Corps, is shaping resilience in you that might be different than someone like me who isn't currently serving? Well, um, you know, the... The military, uh, you know, is essentially a reflection of, of culture in some regard, right? So I don't know that there are uh, maybe as many differences as, as you might think. There are definitely unique um, situations and circumstances that, you know, military service um, uh, puts its service members in uh, and uh, especially families, right? That uh, it, it's strange that families in, in ways that, that uh, typical families might not be. Uh, strange, you know, things like deployments, uh, you know, long exercises, uh, constant moving, right? Just a lot of uh, instability, uh, uh, or what some would look at as instability, right? In the family life um, can cause, um, you know, a lot of distractions and a lot of other issues. So when we look at, I guess, resiliency, that's a great, uh, that's a great topic. And it's a great uh, kind of uh, personal trait um, that we actually try to teach, you know, our, our guys and our, and our Marines specifically, um, to help them um, personally, uh, help them with their family, and just uh, you know, if they are Christian, right, then uh, that that being the most important, right, resiliency in in your faith and uh, in Christ. Yeah, well, and I don't, you know, I was I'm glad to hear you answer that way. It was a bit of a leading question on my part because I think part of particularly this conversation on Veterans Day, and why I'm really glad that Eddie included you, is because I think uh, from my civilian seat. There's this, uh, there's this sort of false separation that exists between those who served and those who didn't that I hope that I often feel is best addressed by speaking to kids about it, right? So that the next generation can come uh, and do it better than we did. Now, you are someone who is also very connected to Awana. Um, you are someone who obviously cares deeply about pouring into both younger guys within the Marine Corps, but also just uh, the generation of kids who are coming up. So... I'm not going to compare being a uh, leading a, uh, a bunch of kids who might be a little unruly uh, to serving in the military. However, 
I would imagine there are some parallels. That's a good comparison. <laughs> That's a good comparison, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so sometimes it, it's certain. Sometimes it certainly seemed that way. Uh, you know, working with uh, the military. You know, one of the unique things too about the Marine Corps, especially. I don't know what the exact statistics are, but you know, probably seventy percent. Uh, of the active duty Marines are, you know, under the age of uh, 22 or something like that. So oh, the majority gracious. of the guys we have are, 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 yeah, are, are real young. Right. So, um, you know, with me specifically, uh, I would kind of look back at uh, my upbringing and one, I had a huge impact. You know, I, I studied political science in college uh, and uh, I went to Hillsdale College and, and really kind of uh, looked at the founding principles and Judeo-Christian values that, uh, you know, our country was founded on, um, you know, and, and that really cemented, uh, you know, military service uh, for me personally, uh, because I looked at that and said, you know, this is something that's worth, uh, worth protecting, worth, uh, you know, investing, uh, you know, significant amount of time, effort, you know, sweat and blood, you know, if, if required, right, to protect. Uh, my, my oldest is four. I have a one-year-old as well. Um, they're going to face a world that is different than the world that you grew up in, than the world I grew up in, in a world that sort of gr- is growing increasingly hostile to the gospel. But how do you feel uh, we are called as, you know, not only just like dads, but as leaders uh, to what do you feel like is our responsibility? And how do you feel like we, we address the difference between our responsibility and ultimately God's uh, sovereignty in caring for the next generation of disciples? Right. Yeah. And I mean, God's sovereignty, you know, that, that has to be, you know, first and foremost, right. When we examine these, these issues and where we fall, you know, in that. So understanding that gives us a lot of hope and, um, you know, satisfaction um, uh, in in kind of how we live our lives, right? So, um, and well, at least in understanding, uh, you know, that there's a there's a plan, right? That's outside of us and it's not dependent on us necessarily, right? So I think that's that's a huge, um, I, you know, I, I will say, right? So Solomon said, I think with Solomon, there's nothing new under the sun, right? So I think in some sense, having perspective on culture um, and the fact that, you know, what we are facing right now is not something uh, really anything new, right? It's sure. been people have been persecuted before, right? It's you know having so having context and understanding of that I think is helpful to frame kind of the discussion. Um, and I think you're absolutely right, right? Resiliency is is crucial for believers now, um, but helping to understand um, you know where everything uh, sits in context of kind of human history is is also good. And trying to explain that to kids is t- is difficult, right? Especially younger ones. Um, but you know, I think programs like Awana do really strive, uh, and I know Awana is really focused around relations, right? Uh, or relationships rather. And so, um, you know, that's as believers, that's something we can really leverage, right? A relationship, uh, you know, with kids through Awana and then the kids, you know, relationship with Christ as, and that program as a conduit for that, um, really kind of imparting that. Um, I mean, it's, it's simple stuff too, right? The fact that they, they, they meet, you know, weekly, uh, the fact that they're a part of a church, right? The tangible components of establishing um, interactions and relationships that are enduring over time uh, is not something that culturally we are seeing anymore, right? It's this, uh, you know, uh, it's this uh, instant gratification culture. It's this um, culture that really uh, doesn't have any longevity to it, right? Um, And I think that the program itself is, it has, yeah, has it kind of built in, right? And it it understands the value in developing that long-term commitment relationship, not only with kids, um, but, you know, with Christ. The Resilient Disciples Podcast is powered by Awana. Awana is a global nonprofit organization dedicated to equipping leaders to reach kids with the gospel and engage them in lifelong discipleship. 
Awana is fueled by the generous support of individuals, churches, and organizations, as well as resource sales. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and go to resilientdisciples.com for more resources and many more of these conversations. The podcast is mixed, edited, produced, and hosted by me, Ross Cochran. Our theme song is Fresh Air by Christian hip-hop artist Josiah Williams and Hits by Jude. You also heard I'll Let Go, provided by Josiah Williams from his album, Rerouting 2. Thank you for listening. We'll talk next week.